At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Ascent Radio. This is Ascent-Dental-Solutions with a focus on knowledge, consultation, development, and training. Today's podcast is brought to you by Stand Up and Be Heard, and a special thanks to Mr. Doug Foresta and that company. Without his expertise and knowledge, these podcasts could not be put on. Today, we have a special guest. That special guest is Dr. David Priebel, ADA Practice Institute partner, and he was uh, nominated back in August of 2013. Although this is close to our 60th podcast, I personally feel that dental associations, and in particular, the American Dental Association, has perhaps more value than ever right now with the changes that are going on in our profession. And I'm hoping that uh, Dr. Pribble can provide insight and knowledge to our almost 7,000 listeners. And uh, David, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule. And I just wanted to say Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge and expertise and also your help in uh, working with the American Dental Association. One of the first things, Dave, I wanted to ask you is right now, can you give the listeners an idea of about the average percentage of dentists that are participating in the American Dental Association? Um, sure, Kevin. The, we, we have about a 63% market share uh, of, of dentists. And that's, that's basically representing more than 161,000 licensed dentists from all 50 states, the District of Columbia and, and Puerto Rico. And is there, obviously, we'd love to see 100% of uh, the practicing dentists being members. Are there particular areas that you think we could improve that number from 63% to, to higher? 
Are there things that the American Dental Association is working on, you in particular, to perhaps expand uh, that base that's already present? Well, as you said, we certainly want to, and we are trying very, very hard to do that. What we're doing is trying to figure out that real value proposition for dentists at all stages of their careers. So the, both the young dentists, the millennials that are, are, are actually becoming now 50% of, of the dentists in the country, um, as well as the dentists in their mid-career and, and later career, all get something that they want from the American Dental Association. And we not just, we try to, we don't just figure it out on our own. We try to ask them, what is it that you want for us and try to, to, to deliver that? I mean, the ADA provides a, a broad range of services from legislative and regulatory advocacy, uh, practice-based advocacy with third-party payers and governmental agencies, continuing education, peer-reviewed scientific research, you know, the development of, of dentistry policies and standards, and as well as practice management tools and resources. And we feel that all of these things are, are part of what dentists expect from the American Dental Association, but each individual decides for themselves whether or not it's enough for them to actually join. I can tell you with my experience uh, in uh, Ascent Dental Solutions that there's basically those three broad categories that you touched on. That individual who's just starting practice, who's recently graduated, their wants and needs are in a particular direction. And the ADA, in my opinion, uh, is a tremendous asset to provide basically free information and knowledge to guide those new graduates through some of the trials and tribulations of either starting a practice, joining a practice, and determining do they compete with managed service organizations? Do they consider joining managed service organizations? Do they even know the difference? And then you have that second group, which have been probably practicing for eight to 15 to 20 years, and uh, they're dealing with the practice management issues, the regulation issues, the day-to-day issues that perhaps their practice isn't growing and doing as well as they'd hope for a variety of reasons. And once again, the ADA has a, an enormous amount of assets to help that group. And finally, the last group are those individuals more in the twilight of their career. And they are they in a position to retire financially? Is there clinical practice in a position to pass on to another individual or group. And again, the ADA is there with knowledge, information, and expertise. So when we look at these uh, different areas, I know through previous conversations with you, you mentioned that there were probably three main areas or topics or issues that you thought were important to the dental profession. Would you like to touch base on those areas? Sure. Um, but before I do that, I'd like to hone back in on what you said, because you really put it very well, those three different kind of um, career paths, or not paths, but the but stages of a career. Following graduation, a new dentist can really benefit from the services like our career center, which we're building to be even better and better, that really helps dentists make more informed and better decisions about where they want to practice and how they want to practice 
networking opportunities offered through the local and state dental societies, which are an integral part of the ADA, uh, and practice development resources, even licensure guidance, loan refinancing options, which we have this wonderful student loan refinancing program that's better than anything else on the market. And they re it's, it's saving young dentists thousands and thousands of dollars. Plus, you know, of course, volunteer opportunities, continuing education, et cetera. And then those dentists in that mid-career part, they can have ADA tools and resources to answer these third-party payer questions, access to online scientific resources, et cetera. And then as they get into the later part of their career, we have practice transition information, insurance and, and wealth management options answers to financial questions, and then lots of opportunities for mentoring even new dentists. So there really is something for everyone. But back to your question about these major areas that we keep seeing dentists say, you know, this is what we need help with. How can you help us? There's the third-party payer reimbursement issues, whether they be public programs or pub private programs. This is something that is constantly in in the, the dentist's mind because this is the lifeblood of how they, they make their living. And along with that are lots of the increasing regulatory burdens that we're seeing happen from governmental agencies and even in the third party payer private world, more, more regulation and how, how easy it is to do business. Those are the, the two big ones. Of course, practice management itself, the business of doing practice is a big part of what dentists look for from, to, from the ADA because in dental school, we learn a lot about the, the art and science of actually treating patients and caring for patients. Don't learn a lot about running a business and that's information that they really need and look to the ADA to give them in the most cost-effective way. I mean, they can get all sorts of information from high-priced consultants, but when you're an ADA member, you get all that information for free. So it, it really is, I think, a, a good benefit. Uh, I think it's not only good, it's a tremendous benefit. And for our listeners out there, I'm not here just tooting uh, an organization. I firmly believe that there's no real skin in the game, per se, with the American Dental Association. If you hire a Kevin Coughlin, I may have uh, alternative motives that are specific to your wants and needs. The ADA is representing the profession, and I think the profession comes first many times over the individual, and hopefully there can be a nice marriage and both benefit from it. We talked uh, a little while back about uh, managed service organizations and dental service organizations. And for uh, some of our longtime listeners, I define the managed service organization is equity-backed, venture capital-backed. This doesn't mean good or bad. It just means that there are outside parties investing large sums of money to get a return on their investment. Whereas a dental service organization is generally run and owned primarily by practicing dentists who also have uh, skin in the game to make a profit and a return on their investment. But ultimately, they're the clinicians providing day-to-day -day care services and expertise. Uh, does the ADA see any particular trends? Do they see that these MSOs and DSOs, are they growing? 
uh, because based on uh, the Health Policy Institute and other research that I've been able to do for previous podcasts, that seems to be on the rise. It it is on the rise. And first and foremost, I want to make sure that the listeners understand that the ADA supports ADA members and dentists to have the freedom to choose whatever practice model they decide. So we're not uh, uh, um, judging whether one practice model is better than the other. But that being said, the ADA does feel very firmly, both in in its policy and what what we tell others, is we support this conviction that the health interests of patients are best protected when dental practices um, and the facilities for the delivery of dental care are not only owned but controlled by a dentist. So we, we think that this is just in the best interest of the public. So there aren't those conflicts of interest between the making of money and the care and delivery of a patient. We do understand that a dentist, some choose to not want to do the management end of practice. They would prefer to just do the care part. And having DSOs or, or, or any other type of, of support organization that does the business part of them for that, if that's the way they choose to do that, that's okay. But all of those dentists agree, whether they work in a DSO environment or not, that they should have control over patient care. That's, that's the bottom line. It's not just ownership on paper, but it's control over how patients are treated. That's what's important. And I would concur 100% with that, Dave. Is there programs out there that the ADA has that can educate those dentists that are interested in learning more about MSOs and DSOs? Are there programs out there that the ADA may be able to review potential contracts, working relationships to determine whether one group may be stepping out of bounds? Are there any programs like that that the ADA has to offer its members? I don't think that we're going into that specific detail. We have resources on the Center for Professional Success that help dentists, what, again, whatever stage they are in their career, although the Health Policy Institute research has shown that the large rise in the dentists that work in DSOs is in the younger cohort. But so you, those younger dentists, there are resources there for them to say, these are what the things that you should evaluate in your contract. Are these things what you're comfortable doing and not comfortable doing? Are these the things you're comfortable agreeing to and not agreeing to? We don't get into very specifics of evaluating particular contracts for the dentist. They'd have to hire their own legal counsel to do that. We don't have the resources to do that for every dentist here at the ADA. But we do give them the broad ideas of of what you should be looking for, what you should make decisions on your own about what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. Well, uh, David, I want to thank you so much for your time. 
I want to give another plug for the American Dental Association. Your representation of what the American Dental Association is, I really think that 100% of our members should be members. I know I personally have been a member since 1983. I've had my ups and downs. I've had some agreements and disagreements. But in the end, the mission statement to represent the dental profession and dentists, I think, goes without without saying. Your expertise, your knowledge is greatly appreciated, and especially spending your valuable time on this podcast to educate our listeners, I think is terrific. For the thousands of listeners that have been paying attention to Ascent Dental Solutions, strongly think about the American Dental Association. As competition becomes greater, financial risks become greater, educational debt. The American Dental Association has programs and options all at almost no charge to its members. Granted, we do pay a membership fee, but I really think it's one of the organizations that we should be promoting and can offer much needed information to us. We've been listening to uh, Dr. David Priebel. David, for some of the listeners who may not be as familiar with the ADA, is there an 800 number, a website? Is there a way that uh, questions could be answered or information could be asked? Sure. Uh, The home source, of course, is just ADA.org. That's the easiest way to get to the home base of all information. And if dentists are looking for for specifically practice management type information and information about third-party payers and things like that, we have the Center for Professional Success, which is success.ada.org. Those two sources should get anybody started on a host of information. Well, thank you again so much, and thank you to the listeners. You've been listening to Ascent-Dental-Solutions. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin with a focus on development, knowledge, training, and education. Our guest today was Dr. David Priebel, the ADA Practice Institute head since 2013, and and thank you so much. And in closing, special thanks to Mr. Doug Foresta and his company, Stand Out, Be Heard. Without his expertise in podcasting, uh, these productions would not be available to the public. Thanks again. And Dr. Preble, thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.